This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Previously on Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic. We love you, Amy. We love you. We support you. We send everything good out of our hearts to you. Send some message. Find some way to come home. 35 FBI agents were assigned to the Mihaljevic case. 100,000 man-hours had been logged, and practically everyone involved in the investigation were clinging to hope that Amy would be found alive. A female jogger was jogging this morning at approximately 7.30, and uh, she spotted something in the field and went off the field and checked, and it was a body. Amy was in fifth grade at Bay Village Middle School, and as school let out, the faces of students spoke anger and despair. Being kidnapped and she, she's with God now, so he'll be fine. He's sick. We'll just find anything. him and arrest him. With, with Margaret leaving and uh, uh, her passing, then I'm the only one left. You know, Margaret's passed on, but Mark and you know, the rest of the family are still there, and we want to make sure we provide that closure. It's important. You know, we have some, you know, we have bait in the net to some extent. We have uh, stuff out there we look at that's important. And, uh, you know, we, we want information that somebody thinks is viable. But we continue to reevaluate all these things as new information comes available. Or, like I said, we'll reevaluate the case. We'll bring in a fresh set of eyes to say, you know, you look at this. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We brought them in to take a look at it. You know, we because we get kind of focused on what we think. Well, what do you think? You haven't lived this. Take a look and tell me what you think. And so we've done that on several cases and that's provided new information. But um, the same fact pattern, the fact patterns never change. You know, the, the basically that, you know, she was lured to that center uh, to be taken, probably for a sexual purpose, ended up being killed and her body was found down in Ashland County. Those are facts that are indisputable, and those are the facts we go with to help build that case out. I am Bill Huffman, and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic. On last week's episode, we let speculation run wild as James Renner and I discussed possible suspects in the Amy Mihaljevic case. Speculating on a crime such as Amy's, one that is nearly 30 years old, can sometimes lead to new information. But sometimes it may confuse the listener because they may take that speculation as fact. It has been my goal throughout this series to leave it up to the listener to determine whom they think may have committed this crime. James Renner has his own opinions, much like many people who know this case do. And James has a suspect that he believed killed Amy. And he has spent almost a decade trying to prove this theory. 
What James says shouldn't be taken as fact, but more of as an idea or theory of what may have happened. James and I can disagree on who may have committed this crime, but I do believe it is important to hear all theories after 29 years. Listeners can make up their own mind on whether James Renner's suspects fit their list. Facts will be what solve this case, but if you don't listen to all the theories that have been presented over the years, you are doing a disservice to the listener if you don't discuss what people have published before. When you investigate a case and produce a podcast about a case such as Amy Mahalovic's, you must listen to all sides of the aisle. People have their own theories, and the best way to deal with them is to let people speak their mind so their story can be heard. Sometimes you may have a case when the most outlandish claims end up being true. And again, if you don't follow up on a lead, aren't you shortchanging the investigation? I'm changing things up a bit again this week as I got the opportunity to sit down with one of Amy's closest friends from Bay Village, Christy Zabo, and hear her memories of the type of girl Amy was. Because too many times, the victim in a case that goes on for as long as this one ends up being forgotten in the end. The killer is the one who ends up with more press, and I want to make sure the listeners have a true understanding of the type of girl Amy was. Christy provides insights into the type of person Amy was as a kid and how much her abduction and murder changed the city of Bay Village. I will also speak with Amy's dad about the type of daughter Amy was, and hopefully this episode will provide you, the listener, the reason why this case haunts everyone who grew up in the Cleveland area in 1989. This episode is meant to give you the sense of who Amy was and how the murder shaped the lives of so many people in the Cleveland area. So join me for episode six, properly titled, Amy. Give me a little, just a little bit of background of what Amy was like when she was a kid, when you guys were uh, really close. We met in second grade. We had the same teacher. Um, we instantly clicked. You're listening and, to Christy um, Zabo as she remembers forget, Amy Mahalovic. Um, my mom answered the phone, and it was Amy's mom, and they were asking if I could sleep over at her house. And my mom looked at me and was like, aren't you a little young for a sleepover? She's like, are you sure you're gonna be okay if you go sleep over at someone's house? You're not gonna be too scared. I'm like, no, I really want to. I would love to have a sleepover. I totally wanted to go. So yeah, my first sleepover ever was at Amy's house in second grade. And uh, it was fun, it was cool. That is cool. Yeah. What, <clears throat> what kind of things did you guys do when you were there? Um, or like when you slept over, I mean, kind of activities did you guys participate in? You know, we would just hang out up in our room and. She had this big, glorious dollhouse. Uh, she had horses that we would play with. We would run around and, you know, just be kids, really, at her house. We would uh, go in her parents' room, and they had a TV in there. We would watch Golden Girls and uh, just laugh and have fun. And uh, she would rock herself to sleep, and it was really cute. She would ask if I minded if she rocked, and I would say no. Rock on. So what other type of things did you and Amy do when you guys were sleeping over at each other's houses? I'm trying to remember what else we would watch with Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road. You know, when that was in second grade, I'm pretty sure it was third grade. We were a little older, but I remember Dirty Dancing came out. I'm not sure who you are, 
but I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him I... I don't believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be. You gotta stop it now. I know what I'm doing, Penny. I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. And we watched it at my house and my mom was like, are you kidding me? You should not be watching this movie. And we were like, we have to watch this. Patrick Swayze is so hot. And we would like pause it when he was getting out of bed to try to see his butt because there was like a shot where he was getting out of bed. And we would try to pause it so we could see his butt when he was getting out of bed. (laughs) Listening to Christy speak about how Amy was as a child, I can't help but think back to my conversation with Mr. Mahalovic and the way that he described Amy as a kid and how she was such a daredevil at the pool. <clears throat> um, we belonged to, it's gone now, it's, it's all filled in, but there was a, 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 a swimming pool out there in the Blue Marlin. And uh, we belonged to that. And um, Amy was five years old. She was... Dive, not diving, but jumping off the high dive. Christy was very candid about how Amy was able to help her learn how to swim as well as conquer the fear of jumping off the high dive. None of which is surprising to me after I had spoken with Mark Mahalovic. But this was Christy's take on the pool. Where did you guys go swimming? Bay pool. Was it the bay pool? All the time. Yeah? Yeah. All the time. And, uh... Her dad, Mark, had mentioned that she was a little bit of a daredevil. Uh-huh. Is that something yes, that uh, for she, sure. she showed you as well? She got me to do a lot of things as far as swimming. She, I would say she taught me how to swim a lot. She taught me a lot because, you know, I was pretty scared to go in the deep end and off the high dive, and she had me jumping off the high dive. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one thing that Mark mentions is that, you know, uh, when they went to go to that Blue Marlin oh, uh, yeah. swim club, that there was, a, I guess, a high dive yeah. that she would... Uh, Oh, yeah. No fear. No fear. She had me going off of it. I remember standing there, and she, yeah, I went off. And, I, and then her and I were jumping off a high dive. I don't even think I would do it today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was in second and third grade with Amy, I would jump off the high dive, and it was so much fun. And we would play. We would just hang out in the deep end and dive for things and run around, and then we would go eat snacks. And if we got cold, we'd go in the shower and, you know, stand in the hot water in the showers if we were cold. The way Christy saw it was that Amy was independent enough to be her own person. She was more of a leader than a follower. When you're a child, you're more or less a follower. And, you know, I would say she was more of a leader in that aspect because of the fact that, you know, she would do her own thing and not really care what everyone else was doing. You know, very self-aware and very, you know, okay with herself and who she is. Not minding if, you know, everyone's going to recess, I'm going to sit here and finish this project or... You know, if I want to be a dog, everyone, let's go be dogs. You know, she was starting that. You know, she was very, you know, she had her own mindset. And, you know, people embraced it. I embraced it for as long as I could. Outside of school, Amy and Christy were best of friends. You know, I mean, when you're young, you have, you know, you kind of buddy up. So I was buddied up with Amy. We had our sleepovers and we did our thing. For a long time, for a couple years, it was Amy and I. And I know there was neighbors on the street that we would hang out with every once in a while. 
and yeah, we had other friends and she made other friends as well. Um, but yeah, for a couple of years, it was just Amy and I. She was magnetic. I would say a lot of people, you know, uh, were drawn to her. We would go on the playground and play and she would go out on the playground and she would say, let's all be dogs and let's run around and be dogs. And literally every single kid would be a dog behind Amy. And then she would say like, let's skip to the side. And we would skip to the side. And I very vividly remember doing this on the Normandy playground, just chasing behind her and her, I think she, I mean, my vision, she's wearing this green sweatsuit. She has this green sweatshirt on and green sweatpants. And I remember like following her around. And I remember one time before recess, we were drawing, we had art and we were making this big, beautiful picture and she would not stop. And I'm like, Amy, let's go to recess. And she was like, just one more minute. And she was left-handed. And I remember watching her with her left hand and her hair down. And she was just in there. And she was like, I remember her making birds and just adding on like little final touches and how artistic she was. And I'm like, God, mine sucks. <laughs> the heck? Like, she's so good. And I'm like, this is my drawing of like a sky and a sun and a green grass, you know, like <laughs> horrible art. And she, hers was beautiful. Like she was an artist and she was funny and yeah, everyone was drawn to her. She had a really, you know, magnetic, I would say, energy about her, for sure. That gives a lot of insight into the type of person that she was. As, uh, you know, as you got older, I mean, did, did her personality change? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if her, I would say her personality changed. I would say that her and I, you know, as we did get older, you know, um, we didn't have the same classes together, or not classes, class. You know, you have a homeroom teacher, and if you're in the same class, it's easier to hang out and you see each other more. So um, when we saw each other all the time, it was basically, you know, the same Amy all the time. We would go to the pool in the summers. We would spend almost every single day at the pool swimming. And uh, um, we would go home and have sleepovers. And then, you know, I remember I started to play soccer, and she did not play soccer. So her and I drifted a little bit because of that. So. What's your, what was your recollection of what that day was like? I still feel horrible, like horrible about it because we were all at a party. We were at a Halloween party at one of my girlfriend's houses, and um, my mom came running down the stairs and said, have any of you girls seen Amy? Amy didn't come home from school today. And we were with uh, 12 of us, maybe. There was a bunch of us, almost like the whole soccer team. We were at a Halloween party at my girlfriend's house, and... Um, she comes, my mom was frantic, running down the stairs. Please tell me one of you guys have talked to Amy. Has anyone talked to Amy? Amy didn't come home from school today. And we were all like, what? And we all looked at each other, and we were like, what do you mean Amy didn't come home from school today? And it was very somber, and we were all very scared, and we all hung out and stayed close and called our parents and told our parents we loved them. Um, and as an adult, I feel guilty that she wasn't at that party because... Who knows if she had been invited to that party, but it was a soccer. We were soccer players, and like I said, you know, her and I drifted a little bit. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was it was it it was hard then. It's still hard now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, obviously, you you mentioned being scared. Yeah. You know, did you? Very scared. Was was that feeling? I mean, was that just the general feeling amongst everybody in the city? I mean, because you, you know, you were in the same grade. I mean, was that, obviously, it had to be the talk of... Well, it was so scary. And Halloween was in a couple days, and it was a different Bay Village after that. I mean, Bay Village went from 
everyone on the streets, kids riding their bike to the pool. We would ride our bike to Baskin Robbins. We would ride around town and not care and play ghosts in the graveyard. We'd be up past dark and it wouldn't matter. And then the next morning we wake up, we all go home to our parents and our, we have wide eyes. Like, mom, Amy came home last night, right? Tell me Amy came home. And no, Amy never came home. We don't know where Amy is. And it was very scary and I mean, it was a time when, you know, you wanted to stay closer to your parents and you were at, also at an age where you didn't want to be that close to your parents. So it was very, it was scary. It was really hard and scary. And Bay Village was not the same after that, for sure. I'm very overprotective. I'm a helicopter mom. And they will tell you if you ask them, I'm a helicopter mom. And my teenager hates it. He hates me for it. But, you know, I'm not supposed to be his friend. I'm his mom, so. I'm gonna helicopter his little butt. <laughs> and you're gonna make sure he's home safe. I'm gonna make sure he's safe, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's my job and, ugh, you know, there's a scar there that will never heal. You still think it looms over the city? Uh, in a way. I wish it loomed a little bit more. <laughs> um, but um, no, I mean, I think us directly affected by it uh, it will definitely, definitely looms over us, but I think that Bay Village has definitely moved on. Really? Yeah. I'm not saying the police department or, you know, the Mahalovics or anybody personally affected by it. I'm sure it's still, but no, I truly feel that, you know, um, a Bay is a safe place. Everyone feels that Bay is one of the safest places and Bay is safe. Um, and I believe that new people who have moved into Bay, some, I, I bet if you ask some, some people who just moved into Bay if they know about Amy Mahalvik, they would say no. So I personally don't think that it's, I wish it, I mean now I feel like it's getting a lot more attention than it has been. So I really like that. I like that for some reason now. Um, I've talked about it more now in the past few weeks and months than I've talked about it in years, which maybe it's a good thing. Maybe this case will finally get solved and we'll find out who did it because that is the one thing that looms over me and it's the one thing that looms over all of us directly affected by it because this man, this generic white male is still out there somewhere and we have no idea who he is, really what he looks like and really how she even ended up with him. So there are so many what ifs in this case and it's, that's the scariest part I think for everybody. And as me as an adult now, having children of my own, that scares me. Um, a lot scares me. I'm a very private person with my kids and you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. My kids think I'm crazy, but I've been directly affected by a huge tragedy, so. So sure. even if they do find the, I mean, it's just, it's a void. I mean, I will rejoice the day they solve this case, although it still will always be a scar. But to finally find out what happened to her, I mean, oh my goodness, how, ugh. How, I mean, just a deep breath for just the Mahalovics, that poor family and her brother and her dad, and oh my gosh, and her, uh, me and her friends. I mean, everybody, like, how awesome that would be to finally find out what happened to her and who did it. Because the fact that he's still out there living free when, you know, he did this sick thing to a child. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's aggravating. Yeah, it can. It's very frustrating the yes. fact that this person is still out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I actually when I was uh, interviewing Chief uh, or not Chief, but uh, Special Agent Torsney, you know, I asked him. I said, you know. Does it feel like we're in a high, or like with peaks and valleys in any case, does it feel like we're kind of at a crescendo or crescendo or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the yeah. proper word is, but um, like we're kind of like, we're at a really mm-hmm. good spot in the investigation. And, you know, his response, you, you can read a lot into body language. Yeah. And the way that I took it was, yes, like, there is a reason why there is a lot of attention being given to it right now. And I don't know if it's just because we're coming on the 30 year anniversary or the fact that, you know, maybe the fact that Chief Spetzel is retiring in a couple of years, it, it's a final push to get, to the, get the answers, but it does feel like we will have some sort of resolution I think so too. And I think what they need and I think what they've been waiting for is somebody knows something and I think they need somebody who knows something to come forward. And I really think that, you know, with all, you're right. I mean, with all this attention on it right now, and I mean, I literally have not talked about it this month, this much in years. So I really do feel like, I feel like they're close and I feel like they need just a little bit more and I mean, I wish, uh, I wish they could find it and I wish they could get it. And I wish somebody, if somebody knew something, I wish they would just come and say something. You never know, the littlest thing might help them out. And, you know, I don't know if someone's scared to say something because it's scary. You know, I don't know if this man who did this is scary and if he's still out there, if someone's scared of, you know, if they say something against him, if he'll come after them or, you know, who knows. But I really, I hope, I'm hoping I thought after that curtain was pulled out that it would be solved by now. Well, I can tell you that they have received a lot of leads on that particular curtain, and they're still working on following those up. Um, yeah, Special Agent Torsen mentioned that that is something that they're still continuing to work I on. I wish they didn't wait however many 20-some years to pull it out, but, I mean, <laughs> memories have faded since then, so, I mean, I unfortunately. It. Unfortunately, I, yeah. you know, time has been... Yeah, you look at the curtain and you go, I can't even think about the curtains that I had 15 years ago, no. let alone 30 years ago. And as a child, if they're asking a child or anybody who would have been Amy's age, nobody knew what their curtains looked like back then. So, I mean, it would... I mean, I, even if it was... Like, I guess it wouldn't be a child because it would be... I mean, obviously, that curtain's identified with her killer, so it wouldn't be a child identifying that curtain. But, I mean, even... The person could be dead, you know what I mean? Like, it's been so long. Like, who knows if they're around? I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do think that, you know, Spetzel mentions, he goes, if I would have sent all of this evidence that we had collected from the crime scene, if the curtain and the blanket would have been on the body or within, like, 10 mm-hmm. feet of the body, 
or 20 feet of the body. Mm. The FBI would have tested that stuff in a heartbeat. Immediately. But the problem was at the time, they were like, you know, they found that 300 yards down the mm -hmm. field and they just didn't really know if, um, you know, what the connection was. And yeah, it is. it does seem like that they probably could have come out with it a little bit sooner than... Well, my favorite did. thing about that curtain is that it was her dog that connected her to it. And I always said that her dog, that how much she loved her dog. And the first interview I did with the FBI, I'll never forget, they said to me, would Amy ever run away? And I remember looking at them like, no, Amy loved her dog too much. She would never leave her dog. And I remember like the look on their faces and it was like, it wasn't disappointment, but it was the realization that they're talking to a child and that my brain isn't really wrapping my head around the fact that Amy is gone. And I, they just realized how innocent I was at that moment when I said she loved her dog so much. So that was really all I could think about was her dog and how much she loved her dog. And obviously she loved her mom and her dad. But I just remember as a child, like how much, you know, we bonded with her dog and she was such an animal lover. And, you know, I just love that they found her dog hairs on that curtain because that's just, to me, that was awesome because Apropos. she loved him. Right? I mean, if that's what ends up being the thing that brings I know. this case to a close. Her dog. Her dog and how much she loved the dog. Right? You know, I always it, it said that. It would just be so <laughs> apropos. I, I mean, know. that would be just... That's that would, it. That would be amazing. Right? Um, perfect. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be perfect. You know, do you have any, like, any one memory that you want to share that, you know, people maybe not know about Amy or just, you know, anything that's just, could um, describe, you know, just sort of help the listeners understand, you know, this little girl isn't... Um, you know... I've shared most of my memories, you know, I mean, just her asking if she could rock herself to sleep is a huge memory of mine, how she would just put her hands, you know, like up to her, up to her uh, chest and just rock herself to sleep. And uh, just swimming with her. And um, I remember my hands, this is a weird one, I just came, I remember, you know when you swim and your hands get like really uh, dry? Pr pruny. And I hate that, that's still to this day, that's my worst feeling. And I remember looking at Amy, I'm like, I hate this feeling. Why do my hands feel like this? And she's like, use lotion. <laughs> so she saved my life with lotion in the backseat of my mom's van. I'll never forget, like, lotion will help. So lotion, I, now I can't, now I'm, I have to use lotion all the time because I cannot stand that feeling. You're obsessed with lotion. Yes, right? and Amy was there for that moment, for that clarity of mine <laughs> from driving home from the pool one day. That's, uh... That's really, that's really great. And I do appreciate you um, sharing your thoughts on, or your memories on Amy. I know this is a difficult subject matter and, you know. It's, it's okay. You know, it's. Uh, I love talking about her. I want, you know, I love, I love her forever. And um, I would love for her to rest in peace because she deserves it. And I truly believe that, you know, once this is solved, I feel like everyone will be able to take a deep breath. And I feel like Amy is right now out there. She's she's a leader. She's leading us. She'll bring she'll she'll get justice for this man eventually, and then she can go rest in peace. And you know, I'm sure she already is enjoying her time. But you know, she needs to be you know peaceful. 
There needs to be closure. There needs to be closure, especially for her family. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I know this is tough, so. It's okay. Thank you. Thanks again. Sure. After speaking with Christy, I wanted to hear what the weekends were like for Mark Mahalovic and the family. Uh, but then on the weekends, we would try to do something uh, as a family or go someplace or whatever. Amy was into horseback riding and we'd go to horse shows or we'd do something or, you know, it's, there was no set that on Saturday at a certain time we had to be a certain place at a certain time. That, well, the one that Amy rode was a sh uh, 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 show horse. I mean, I would go to all the shows and I don't know what, you know, be judged and uh, uh, I can't think of the, what brand it was. Appaloosa? Is that, I think, I, I think it was. You've heard this clip before, but it is the best description that Mark Mahalovic gives on his daughter, Amy Mahalovic. Well, back to Amy. So Amy was a can-do person, uh, very smart. Uh, she was book, very book smart, uh, did well in school. Uh, uh, athletics, horses, and and school, and and just usually pretty pretty quiet. If she didn't know you, she wasn't going to talk to you. To give the listener an idea of how safe Bay Village is, I wanted to read a clip from the most recent rankings of the Cleveland suburbs from Cleveland Magazine in June 2018. Tell someone you're from Bay, and it means something. Tucked along the Lake Erie shoreline, the bedroom community of about 15,000 is a place where residents who grow up there return to raise a family. And it's easy to see why. Along the leafy streets, folks are out walking, biking, pushing strollers, and lingering to chat long after the school bus leaves the stop. Even with more than a third of its housing stock built in the 1950s, Bay's cozy bungalows and Cape Cods have been added on to with care because their owners would rather stay put than leave their neighborhood. Amy's case will forever haunt Christy, as well as impact the way she raises her children. The same can be said for thousands of people who lived through the horror of Amy's kidnapping. Even if you were just a member of the community, with no ties to the Mahalovic family, you felt their loss. No family should be left to carry the burden of losing a daughter, especially when that killer still lives amongst us today. I'm going to say something to one person, and that person will know whom they are. You have a clock that is ticking, and when it goes off, there will be no turning back. Once your DNA comes in, and the match is made, you're toast. And so are your days of freedom. You could just roll into the Bay Village Police Department and turn yourself in, I know a few people there that would love to have a conversation with you. It is you that has clouded this case. You are the unknown male who looks like John Denver. Mark Mahalovic's words, not mine. But you have to realize that the walls are closing in. Do you hear the footsteps as you walk to the grocery store? The next time you hear them, they may be the last day you taste freedom. And the mask you've been hiding from behind all these years will reveal the true villain that you really are. To say that you are a wanted man by authorities is a given. But when you have a community such as Bay Village, with a backbone that is the city of Cleveland, you should start to be a little worried that technology is ready to knock on your door.
The authorities are ready to take you down at a moment's notice. Are you ready? Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic. I hope I've provided some clarity in who Amy was as a child, as well as how much of a void that her murder has left within the city of Bay Village. Thank you again for listening. I hope you stay tuned for next week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic. Next week on Who Killed Amy Mahalovic. My name is Nick, and I'm from True Crime Garage, which is a fantastic podcast that you can listen to on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we put out a new show every Tuesday night, and we each week we cover a new case, sometimes solved, sometimes unsolved, sometimes missing persons. We've covered Amy Mahalovic before, which is one of uh, cases kind of near and dear to me, one that I've, I remember seeing on the news when I was a child and, um, you know, followed the case ever since. Abduction and murder kind of really became real for me at that moment. On next week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic, we will speak with Nick of the podcast True Crime Garage, and we will discuss his feelings about the case and why this case has meant so much to him over the years. And we'll also ask how he feels the case has progressed. If you are interested in supporting independent journalism such as this podcast, you can click on the donate button on the bottom left on whokilledamymahalovic.com. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, that will also help support the show and help get Amy's story the coverage it deserves. You can contact the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234 if you have any new information regarding this case. The FBI is also offering a reward up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for the death of Amy Renee Mahalovic. Anyone with information concerning this case, please contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. You may also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulate. Stay tuned for next week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic. Thank you again for listening. Be safe. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. 
It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.